The following is a class given by His Holiness Jayapataka Swami Maharaj on January 3rd, 1992 in Mathura The class begins with a reading from the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, verse 3. Vachalang Mrityu Sangsara Vartmani Asraddhadhana Purusha Dharmasyasya Parantapa Aprapya Magni Vartante Mrityu Sangsara Vartmani Translation by His Divine Grace through the A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. <clears throat> Those who are not faithful in this devotional service cannot attain me, O conqueror of enemies. Therefore, they return to the path of birth and death in this material world. Translation with repetition. Those who are not faithful in this devotional service cannot attain me, O conqueror of enemies. Therefore they return to the path of birth and death in this material world. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda. The faithless cannot accomplish this process of devotional service. That is the purport of this verse. Faith is created by association with devotees. Unfortunate people, even after hearing all the evidence, of Vedic literature from great personalities, still have no faith in God. They are hesitant and cannot stay fixed in devotional service of the Lord. Thus, faith is a most important factor for progress in Krishna consciousness. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita it is said, that faith is the complete conviction that simply by serving the Supreme Lord, 
Sri Krishna, one can achieve all perfection. That is called real faith. As stated in a Srimad Bhagavatam, 4th Canto, 34th Chapter, 14th Verse. Yathatarar mula nishechanena Tripyanti tatskanda bhujopasakha Pranopaharacha yatendriyanang Tataiva sarvarhanam achuteja Translation by giving water to the root of a tree, one satisfies its branches, twigs, and leaves. And by supplying food to the stomach, one satisfies all the senses of the body. Similarly, by engaging in the transcendental service of the Supreme Lord, one automatically satisfies all the demigods and all other living entities. End of translation. Prabhupada continues, Therefore, after reading Bhagavad Gita, one should promptly come to the conclusion of Bhagavad Gita. One should give up all other engagements and adopt the service of the Supreme Lord Krishna, the Personality of Godhead. If one is convinced of this philosophy of life, that is faith. Now, the development of that faith is the process of Krishna consciousness. There are three divisions of Krishna conscious men. In the third class are those who have no faith, even if they are officially engaged in devotional service, they cannot achieve the highest perfectional stage. Most probably they will slip after some time. They may become engaged, but because they haven't complete conviction and faith, it is very difficult for them to continue in Krishna consciousness. We have practical experience in discharging our missionary activity, that some people come and apply themselves to Krishna consciousness with some hidden motive. And as soon as they are economically a little well situated, they give up this process and take to their old ways again. It is only by faith that one can advance in Krishna consciousness. As far as the development of faith is concerned, one who is well versed in the literatures of devotional service and has attained the stage of firm faith is called a first class person in Krishna consciousness. And in the second class are those who are not very advanced in understanding the devotional scriptures but who automatically have firm faith that Krishna Bhakti or service to Krishna is the best course, and so in good forth and good faith have taken it up. Thus they are superior to the third class who have neither perfect knowledge of the scriptures nor good faith, but by association and simplicity are trying to follow. 
The third class person in Krishna consciousness may fall down, but when one is in the second class, he does not fall down. And for the first class person in Krishna consciousness, there is no class, uh, no chance of falling down. One in the first class will surely make progress and achieve the result at the end. As far as a third class person in Krishna consciousness is concerned, although he has faith in the conviction that devotional service to Krishna is very good, he has not yet gained adequate knowledge of Krishna through the scriptures like Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita. Sometimes these third class persons in Krishna consciousness have some tendency toward karma yoga and jnana yoga, and sometimes they are disturbed. But as soon as the infection of karma yoga or jnana yoga is vanquished, they become second class or first class persons in Krishna consciousness. Faith in Krishna is also divided into three stages and described in Srimad Bhagavatam. First class attachment, second class attachment, and third class attachment are also explained in the Srimad Bhagavatam in the eleventh canto. Those who have no faith even after hearing about Krishna and the excellence of devotional service, who think it is simply eulogy, find the path very difficult, even if they are supposedly engaged in devotional service. For them there is very little hope of gaining perfection. Thus faith is very important in the discharge of devotional service. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta Swami translation and purport to text 3, chapter 9, of the Bhagavad Gita as it is, in the matter of the most confidential knowledge. Uh, spoken today, the 3rd of January, 1992, in Oman, in our 505th year of our Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Om Tat Sat. Hare Krishna. So today's verse is a bit heavy. I didn't choose it. It's the one I was asked to speak on. But the truth is the truth. We had to see the truth as it is. If we have faith in Krishna, if we have faith in His devotional service, then we can be assured to achieve success. If we don't have faith, then it's very difficult to practice the process of devotional service. So an elaborate explanation has been given about different degrees of faith. First, second, and third class. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, 11th canto, these descriptions have also been given. So Srila Prabhupada has expressed it in very simple terms. That there's a question of faith 
and a question of knowledge. So the first class devotee has got both faith and knowledge. Second class has faith but only a little knowledge. And the third class has little faith and little knowledge. So, you can note that someone with knowledge and no faith has been omitted. Because if that was a sin, it doesn't matter. If you have knowledge, you don't believe in it. That we have many pundits who know what the Vedas say, but they don't believe it. So they can't be counted amongst the devotees. So faith is a very basic ingredient, or the basic ingredient. And when we talk about faith in the modern day and age, to some degree it's almost like a dirty word. Because we've heard so many people tell us you have to believe, you have to have faith. And the modern idea is we shouldn't blindly believe in anything. Science has imbibed that in the educated people that we shouldn't believe in something unless it's proven. This, of course, is also very popular all over the Western world. You might be surprised, or at least interested to know, that in some respects this is why Krishna consciousness has been so successful all over the world is because in comparison to other alternatives, the Vedic knowledge is very systematic, very logical. It's quite easily understood by persons with a scientific background. that it encourages people to make inquiry. The first verse of the Vedanta Sutra is atata brahma jigyasa. Inquire into the Absolute Truth. So this is a very positive point. The Vedas want people to have faith based on knowledge. The whole Vedas were written with so much detail so that all of you could study the Vedas and gaining this knowledge you would have a clear picture of what is life, who are you, what is this world, where has it come from, where are you going in the world, what do you, what happens to you after your body dies, all these questions are very clearly answered in the Vedas. In fact, questions like why are children born blind or crippled or people are born with birth defects, which are considered great mysteries to many, are explained in the Vedas. In fact, 
hardly there's a question that comes up that we cannot find directly some reference in the Vedas which will give us a picture or an idea or an answer to that question. So how does one, although all the knowledge is there, how does one get faith in the knowledge? Just like in a science class, they say, they do experiments in the laboratory. For instance, water is H2O, hydrogen two parts, oxygen one part. So they, they put hydrogen in a glass bottle with oxygen and then you light a match to it and on the side of the bottle there's water condensed. So in this way they demonstrate hydrogen and water together, hydrogen and oxygen produce water, H2O. So, you might be interested to know that in the Srimad Bhagavatam, when it describes the creation of the world in the second canto, it describes that in the beginning, things began from the subtle state and gradually became in more and more gross states. That means it went from the spiritual to the ego, from the ego to the... Uh, intelligence to the mind, then it went into the ether, then it went into the gas state. So there it mentions that gases combined with electrical energy produce water. Simple thing. You could easily read through that verse and go on to the next one, which describes how water becomes solid. But then if you remember back to your science experiment, or the one I just explained, the gases of hydrogen and oxygen together, combined with fire, produce water. But that's how the Bhagavatam says this material world was uh, created. That's one of the steps. Gas and fire produce liquid, produce water. So when scientific-minded people read these verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam written 5,000 years ago, they can see that, well, these are definitely not simply sentimental words. These are not dogmatic points. These are very practical, observable realities which we can even see today. And this is the most clear explanation with such detail how the world evolved or how it was created. There's a kind of evolution, but the evolution was started by Krishna. And that evolution goes according to a very strict plan. And at every point, the will of Krishna or Vishnu is there to make the things happen. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. It's not just an accident that these different steps happen. Someone has to push the button to make the spark go so to speak, and that's Krishna, or that's Vishnu, his expansion. So Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, he gives many 
very practical examples. Just like he says, Dehi nosmin shita dehi kaumanam jovanam jara dehantara prapti dhirastatina muyati. That we are changing our bodies from a child to a youth, from a youth to old age. Continually we change our bodies. Finally, leading up to the time when we had to leave this body, Dehantara Praptir. We had to leave the body, but after leaving this body, we get a new body. So Krishna is saying, what is the difficulty to understand? You've already been changing your body so many times. The little child body is not the same as the youth's body, as the old person's body. There's a difference in the bodies. Modern science says every seven years the body changes. Well, some scientists say seven, some say twelve years. In any case, one of the two. The Vedas say twelve years. So we change our bodies every twelve years. All the cells in the body are changed. But how we remain the same person? How we can identify that I am the same person? Same memory, even though the body changed. So Krishna uses this example similarly. Your mind, your intelligence, your ego will go even after this body is finished. It will continue to exist. You, the spirit soul, will go on existing. You'll take a new birth and change and enter into a new life, a new janma. So what is the difficulty in understanding? So one time Prabhupada was explaining Bhagavad Gita to a group of uh, priests, Christian priests in the West, at a seminary. And he told them, look at Bhagavad Gita, is explaining this very point. He quoted this verse. You go from youth to old age, uh, youth to child to youth to old age. Now is this only meant for Hindus? The Christians are not going from childhood to youth to old age. The atheists are not going from childhood to youth to old age. So Krishna was not speaking this verse only for one community or he was speaking for everyone, all human beings. This is a science of the life. This is the science of the self. So you should all read the Bhagavad Gita, he told them, because this is a universal book which tells us about life. And many of them have taken the Bhagavad Gita. Many German scholars, many uh, Russian scholars, many American scholars, they are studying these uh, Vedas now, especially the Gita and Bhagavatam, with great interest. But it's a very unfortunate thing that many of our uh, intellectual, educated Indians where these books are actually a natural, a national heritage, they have not gone deeply into them. Some have, and many haven't. So we are trying to encourage people to actually go into the subject matter very deeply. 
Because by doing so, naturally a person's understanding, their faith will become enhanced and they will achieve the perfection in life. If we don't have faith, the Krishna says, you won't get the perfection. How will we get faith if we don't have the knowledge? But this knowledge itself is very dry. So this path of Bhakti Yoga is not only knowledge, but it's also applying the knowledge. That's why we have the practice of devotional service. We chant, we engage in the bhakti processes, hearing, chanting, remembering, bowing down before Guru and Krishna, offering prayers, offering worship, being a servitor, being a friend, and surrendering everything. It's called Navavida Bhakti. Savanam Kirtanam Smaranam Vishnu Padasevanam Bandhanam Archanam Dasyam Sakyam Atmanivedanam By this practical process, then one uh, can realize the lessons uh, of the Vedas. They can practically realize or put their faith to uh, test. It's like a, our life is a living a scientific experiment. You can apply this knowledge in your life and you can see whether it works. So the principle of devotion is explained here. That just as the root of a tree gives the nourishment to the whole tree, just as the stomach gives a nourishment to all the senses. So Krishna, when we serve Him, He gives the happiness, the knowledge, the fulfillment to everyone. Because He is the root, He is the origin. Ishara parama krishnaha satchit ananda vigraha anadiyadi govinda sarva karana karanam Do you know the story about the foolish priest? And a foolish gardener. Did I tell you last time I was here? You see, in India there was one king, like a small king, Zamindar type. He had a big garden, he had a temple, he had his palace and so many things. So some of his employees were actually not very expert. In fact, they were quite foolish. Especially he had one foolish gardener or Mali and he had a foolish priest. So one day he went to see the gardener, to see the garden. And when the gardener saw that the master is coming, he immediately took the watering can and he got a ladder and he climbed up on the ladder and he started to water all the leaves of a tree and all the flowers and all the fruits. And that uh, Lord looked at him and said, What are you doing? He said, I'm watering the tree. So why are you watering the leaves and the flowers and the fruits? Why don't you water the root? 
So what do the root is under the ground? We don't see it. The beauty of the tree is the leaves and the branches and the flowers and the fruits. I am watering them. What is the use of watering the root? We doesn't. We don't even see it. My foolish uh, gardener, you don't know. If you water the the flowers and fruits like that, you may r- make them rot. You have to give the water to the root. The root takes all that li- uh, liquid nourishment and gives it to the whole plant. But I'm working so hard, so look at I'm giving the water to every leaf. It may be, but it was the use. You just give the water to the root. That's where it needs to get the water. Okay, sir, from now on I'll do it. Nobody told me before. Then the landlord, he went to his temple. And there in the temple, he found that the priest, he, he couldn't find the priest actually. He went and he found the priest was sitting in a small room on the side. There the priest had all the Mahaprasadam in front of him in big plates. And he was sitting on an asana. And all over his arms he had dal and rice rubbed on his arms. And he's watching the priest. priest is taking some sweet rice. And he's taking sweet rice and he's chants this mantra. Om Paramanhaya Nasikhaya Bhyam And then he he shoved it up his nose. My goodness, what's he doing? Then he took some of the sabji. Some of the dal. And taking the dal then he proceeded to put the doll in his ear, saying the mantra, Om Dhalaya Karnaya Bhum. So what's going on? He's putting doll in his ears. And finally he took the chutney in his hand, and then he put the chutney in his eye, saying the mantra, Om Chutnaya Lochanaya Pyom! Stop it! Stop it! The landlord. What are you doing? You're going to kill yourself! What are you doing? He couldn't see. He had to wipe his eyes. Oh my Lord. Yes sir. Yes sir. What are you doing? Why don't you eat the food? What are you doing? Shoving it up your nose and your ears and your eyes. Sir, every day I'm eating the food in my mouth. But the stomach doesn't do anything. It just sits there. But my senses are doing all the work. My eyes, my ears, my nose. Why not let them enjoy? Let them enjoy the food. Let the eyes enjoy the chutney. And the ear enjoy the dal. And the nose enjoy the sweet rice. 
So you foolish priest, you're gonna kill yourself this way. Your eye cannot digest chutney. I'm understanding that, sir, now it's really hurting. That chili was too much. And if you get dull in your ear, you're going to get infection. It's going to go rotten. What did you say, sir? Very hard to hear with dull in the ear. You speak a little louder, please. I'm telling you, you should put the food in your mouth. Chew it, swallow it, and let the stomach digest it, and all the senses will be nourished. Oh, all right, from now on. So here we have the foolish gardener and a foolish priest who are trying to water all the leaves and branches or feed all the senses. But I couldn't resist to tell you this funny story when I read the verse here from the Bhagavatam, which explains how Krishna is like the stomach and like the root in the plant. You give the seva to Krishna, you give the worship to Krishna and all of the existence benefits. Just like it's so ridiculous that we think our person is going to put chutney in his eye and down in his ear, it's totally ridiculous. But we are doing such ridiculous things. We are trying to serve the independent people in the world without serving Krishna. And it's as foolish as putting ear, a chutney in our ear or eyes. Nobody can be happy in this world by sense gratification. That is the real mystery of life. It is the confidential knowledge. The more we try to be happy by enjoying, the more we cause suffering for ourselves. In the fifth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna clearly says, the cause of suffering is our desire to enjoy. The cause of real happiness comes when we serve the root of the existence. Although it, it, it may not appear obvious, Obvious, it's not obvious. But it is the actual secret of life. We are parts of God. When we serve the Lord, we become happy. Just like when we feed the stomach, the senses become strong. When you put water on the root of the plant, the whole plant becomes strong. Because we are part of Krishna. When we serve Krishna, when we do our daily duties, with the eye to pleasing Krishna, then we become happy. And even though we want to be happy, and we try to make ourselves happy, even though we get more money or more possessions, more VCR, better car, better, still we are not happy. Why is that? Not fully satisfied. Because we are not this material nature. We are, we are not this body. So it's like a fish out of water. Say you have a fish. Oman is a famous place for fishing for millions or thousands of years. It's on the sea. So many fishes have been caught here. Now when a fish is taken out of the water, say if you give him a, a nice bed, put a little fan on him, give an AC, 
Let them watch the TV, CNN or British uh, BBC World News. Anything you give, all facility. Will that fish be happy? The fish wants to give me put back, put me back in the water. So when we say fish out of water, we are spiritual by nature. Ahang Brahmasmi. All the Vedas say, all the scriptures that write that living entities are spirits. We are spiritual. We are of the same nature as Krishna. Krishna is the Param Purusha. He is Supreme Spirit. And we are Jivatma. We are the minute spirit. But we are part of Krishna. Krishna in the Gita he explains. Mamai Vangsa Jiva Loke Jiva Bhuta Sanatano my ansa, mamai ansa. Ansa means part. My part and parcel are the jiva atmas. They are sanatana. Sanatana means eternal. No beginning, no end. One devotee came to see one of our life members. Actually, he was not a life member. He was one member from parliament in South Africa just a few days ago. He said that everything in this world has a beginning and an end. We see that. So what is the beginning of God? How did God begin? How did Bhagavan begin? So this is the, the whole teaching of the Vedas that Krishna has no beginning. He has no end. He always existed. This material world is coming as a byproduct of the spiritual world. Temporarily it's created, maintained, and then destroyed again. Bhutva, Bhutva, Praliyate. Again it's coming and going, coming and going. But the spiritual existence is always existing. Because this is temporarily coming and then going, therefore this world has a beginning and an end. And everything in this world has a beginning and an end. But in the spiritual reality, there's no beginning, there's no end. So Krishna has no beginning, no end. We are part of Krishna. We have no beginning, we have no end. But now somehow or another we've fallen into this material world. And therefore we're bound up by the laws of karma. And according to how we act, we have to take the reaction. So the animals... They think they're the body. The cat thinks he's a cat. The dog thinks he's a dog. If you tell a cat and dog you're not a cat, they not believe you. Isn't it? So what's the difference then between human being? Human being is thinking that he's a body. I'm Indian, I'm American, I'm Chinese, I'm Russian, I'm European. The human being has enough intelligence to see I'm not this body. I am the soul, the living force in the body. That's the special advantage of the human body, human birth. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he told his followers, I want you to make Free every man, every woman, every child, every old person from the suffering of birth, death, old age, disease, from the suffering of this material world. I want you to make everybody happy.
This was his instruction. Make everybody happy. And the way he wanted us to make everybody happy was let people know about their eternal nature. Let them know about their eternal relationship with Krishna. Let them enjoy their own spiritual, natural bliss, which is within them. If you say, okay, make everybody happy, that's a very hard thing to do. Say, say you want to make everybody happy, and you had unlimited money, so you started to give people money, but then one person said, well, he gave me 10,000, uh, what do you call the money here, reals? But the other guy, I should get 50,000. It's not enough. Even if you get people millions and billions, still they'll say it's not enough. So how do you make everybody happy materially? Materially, there's no way to be completely happy. Because even if you get everything you want, then you have to worry someone will come and steal it from you. Or it will get stolen or destroyed. So you'll be in fear that I'll lose what I have. And eventually you'll lose it anyway. Because everything in the material world is temporary. So there's desiring, there's fearing, and there's lamenting. Calm, boy, and soaked. Or it'll get stolen or destroyed. So you'll be in fear that I'll lose what I have. And eventually you'll lose it anyway. Because everything in the material world is temporary. So there's desiring, there's fearing, and there's lamenting. Calm, Boy and soaked. These three natures are there in material life. But for the devotee, they have maximum material peace of mind and they have the spiritual bliss. They have the happiest situation. Whatever they get, they accept it as the Lord's mercy. They work hard. They do their duty, maintain their family or obligation according to their religious codes. With the idea that Krishna should be pleased. So if they get something, they're happy. That's Krishna's mercy. If they lose something, they take it. This Krishna's mercy. He wants me to become a little detached. So whatever happens, the devotee takes it as the Lord's mercy. In fact, there's a story in the Puranas about one king and his pundit. And whatever would happen, the pundit would always tell the king that it's whatever Krishna does, it's good. So one day the king went out hunting and he lost his finger in the hunt. He came back and he asked the priest, look at I lost my finger, what do you think? So whatever Krishna does, it's good. I lost my finger and you're saying it's good? You just say the same thing every time. What kind of a pundit are you? I put, you put him in jail. He's just a tape recorder, he's not a pundit. 
He's just repeating the same thing like a parrot. Everything Krishna does is good. Everything Krishna does is good. What is all this? I lost my finger and he's saying it's good. Put him in prison. Enough is enough. So then that king, he went out hunting again. But this time he got separated from his party. And he got captured by some dacoits. The dacoits took him into one cave. And there was a big deity of Kali. And they wanted to do Narabali, human sacrifice. So they bathed him and put him in white cloth, put some scented oil on him, tied his hands behind his back, put him in front of the altar. The priest came out with a big chopper, prayed to Ma Kali, and he was lifting the chopper ready to cut. Then he stopped. He said, He's incomplete. How can I offer to Kali an incomplete person? He's missing a finger. I reject this offering. Throw him out. Reject it. Oh, they all took him and threw him out. Rejected. He felt so happy to be rejected. He went back to his kingdom and then he, he immediately said, Bring that priest here. He said, I fall at your feet. I committed such an offense to you. You have said that whatever Krishna does is good. And now I realize it. If I hadn't lost my finger, I would have lost my head. But one doubt I have. Without just cause, I arrested you and put you in prison. So how does Krishna do good by that? He says, sir, I'm always going with you. Everywhere. And I don't have a finger missing. (laughs) So if I had been with you, maybe I would have lost my head. (laughs) So, Krishna... Whatever he does is good. And for the devotee, they they have that faith. They put that to to practice, practically. Actually, in this material world, sometimes it's very difficult to understand. Because the laws of nature are very, very hard and complex. Krishna, although He creates the material world, He doesn't intervene except under very special cases. He allows the things to go on normally according to the laws of karma. But when it has to do with His devotees, then He takes a personal interest because the devotee has personally surrendered to Krishna and offered his life to Krishna. But sometimes the devotee may think that if I'm serving Krishna, that Krishna should give me things the way that I want. 
we get sometimes an idea that serving Krishna is something like serving Santa Claus. Whatever we want, we'll give a list, a shopping list, and he'll bring it on a given day, Christmas Eve. But that's not the actual relationship explained in the Vedas. Bhakti does not mean business. In fact, Krishna, when he offered to, when Narasimhadev offered to Prahlad Maharaj, what do you want? You serve me so nicely, I want to give you a benediction. You can have anything you want. Then Prahlad said, Sir, my Lord, why are you tempting me? Am I serving you as a business person? That I want something from you. That's why I'm serving you. I'm serving you as my offering of love. So I don't need anything in exchange for that. Everybody is working in the material world because they get paid for it. If somebody says, I'll give anybody a job, but they do no pay, who will work for him? But in the spiritual world, people are working for Krishna. Even the Lakshmis are sweeping the Chintamani stones just to get the attraction of Narayana, just to get the attraction of Krishna. There are things that are done on the basis of love. So Krishna knows better than what we than what we know what's good for us. But Krishna doesn't fulfill exactly the way we think because he knows that that will not really satisfy the devotee. He'll give he'll wait till the devotee is mature enough to get what will really satisfy the devotee. Krishna reciprocates in his own way. Not according to our agenda, according to his agenda. But he'll fulfill our desire. Just like Dhruva Maharaj was worshipping Narayan. And he wanted to have a bigger kingdom than his father. When he finally saw Narayana, he said, Why did I... Was it you? Narayan said, Let me give you the kingdom now. He said that I wanted broken glass. Instead I got diamonds. I Now I want to simply serve you. What's the use of a kingdom? Kingdom will come and go. But you are so much better than a kingdom. So now I've got you. I don't want to lose you. He said, but you wanted a kingdom. So now I've already arranged for you a kingdom. And you had to be a king for so many years. At the end of that you can come back to me. So now I'm afraid, what if I lose you? He said, well, I bless you that you won't lose me. You'll remember me and come back to me, even though you'll be having a family and a kingdom. In the Bhagavatam it mentions how after Dhruva, we all know the story, five years of old age, when he saw Narayan, but after that he became a grihasta, he became a king. Many things happened. And finally at the end of life, he went back to Krishna. So he started his devotional service with the idea, I want to be a king. So that's what he got. But when he got the blessing, he was regretting, why did I desire something? 
I should have left it up to Krishna. There's a story about one boatman. Nowadays in India, you find most of the boatmen have become motorized. They put uh, these shallow pumps in the boat and attach it to a propeller. In Bengal, they call them butt butties. But 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 they make the sound. But previously, the boatmen didn't have this motorization. They used to pull the boat on the side of the river by rope, dartana or something they call it. We used to pull the boat. And alongside the river, the little path was there for them to pull. So sometimes there were thorns, there were stones that would hurt the feet. So there was one boatman pulling his boat up the stream. And he was thinking, what am I going to do when I get rich? So when I get rich, I'm going to put mattresses down alongside the river where I had to walk to pull the boat. So it won't hurt my feet anymore. Here the poor fellow, he didn't think if I'm rich, what I'm doing pulling a boat. He's so conditioned. He thinks that when I'm rich, I'll put uh, cushions on the path so it'll be easy to pull the boat. Nice soft padding. So this is the kind of logic we use. We don't know what is the reality. We don't know what is the real thing which will make us happy. We speculate I'll be happy only if this happens. We think if, if Krishna blesses me, he'll give me this. And maybe Krishna knows this is ridiculous. You'll never be happy with that. So he doesn't give what we want. Then we think, oh, why Krishna didn't give me what I wanted? Krishna must not know what I really want. Or Krishna must not be there. Or Krishna this or Krishna that. Something. We blame Krishna. But Krishna knows better than what than we know. But Krishna won't give us something that will destroy us. Because he, if we become devotee of Krishna, He will take a personal interest. Just like there's so many children playing here. Say a child tells a father, I gave this example earlier today, that little six-year-old or eight-year-old said, I want to drive the car. So will the father say, okay, go behind the wheel, drive the car. Here's the keys. Will they do that? Even the child cries, I want to drive the car. You won't let them because they'll smash the car up and kill themselves. Say a child says, I want to play with a knife. Give me that razor blade. Will you give? Of course not. But when the child grows up, then he can give the child. When the child mature, knows how to deal with a knife, how to deal with a car, when they're old enough and mature enough to handle it, then you'll give. So similarly, Krishna will give what a person wants, even more than what they expected. Dhruva Maharaj got something more than he expected. He got a kingdom which never perishes. He got a spiritual planet. He got eternal life. Even his father is gone. Dhruva is living on. He achieved liberation and got his spiritual form. And his mother also got, because his mother told him, look for Krishna, look for God. 
Suniti also achieve liberation. Any parent who guides their children to find Krishna, if the children find Krishna, the parents get a free pass. So Krishna gives, but he will first see that someone is ready. That is actually what the person really wants. Otherwise, the use. You see, sometimes we go to the devas, give me 1,000. We get the 1,000, it's not enough. Give me 10,000, we get the 9, give me 100,000. We go, Krishna doesn't like again and again coming. When he gives it, he'll give one time, whatever it takes to satisfy. More than what the person expects. But first he'll see the person can handle it. What's the use of giving if the person is destroyed? Kardamamuni, he wanted a, he did puja, he realized Vishnu, but he said, I want to be a grihasta. Before I can renounce, I have to be a grihasta, I have to experience material happiness, and then I want to fully dedicate myself without any uh, compromise. So for that I need a good a wife who will be also Krishna, God conscious and she should also be attractive and all the things that wives have to be. So then Vishnu, he said, okay, this is the girl, you marry Devahuti, the daughter of Manu. And I'll become your son. So all these evidence are given. How the Lord satisfies, but He does it in a particular way. With some discrimination. So, if we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Then, we can develop faith for Krishna easier because Krishna, through this chanting, He purifies our consciousness and we get realizations. There was one devotee, one friend, but would not chant Hare Krishna. But one day there was an accident, there was an accident, the car was pushed off the road by a truck. The car was heading straight to a big tree. Then that friend of the temple started to chant out, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. The car stopped just before the tree. So why I never chanted before? At that moment they told me so many times to chant. So after that, the person started to chant. And then he started seeing how Krishna reciprocates with the devotees. So simultaneously, if we read Bhagavad Gita, study the Srimad Bhagavatam, at the same time we chant and do the Bhakti Yoga, then we get the actual realization. And that gives us very strong faith. Those who don't have faith, they can't understand why you want to chant. Why you want to do? Wait till you get old. It's not for young people. But how long does a person live? Can anyone say how long they're going to live? 
Is there any guarantee how long we'll live in this world? So how can we say we're going to live to be old? We don't know. So the Vedas tell us, Komaram Acharit Pragyo, we should start practicing from five years of age. Not too young, five years. Because if we start to practice and cultivate, then this will stay with us our whole life. Maybe we won't, it will not fructify or become fully realized until we're old. Maybe someone will realize earlier. But if the practice is there, then we'll grow and grow. Just like if you have a plant, you want to plant a mango tree, it takes a few years before the fruit comes. You have to plant the seed, you have to water it, you have to take care. Like that, devotional bhakti is called a seed. Bhakti lota beach. Seed of the bhakti tree is planted by the guru in the heart. And the tree will grow and grow. And we have to go on watering. Then the fruit and flowers come later. If we want first the fruit before the tree, how is it possible? We'll get the fruit automatically if we water the tree. So that's why we need to start to practice now. Atata Brahmajigyas. We have to inquire now. We have to proceed now. Then, depending on how Carefully we take care of our tree, how good a gardener we are. We may get the fruit very quickly or we may get it a little later. But the tree will be growing. If we say put it off till later, at the last moment of life, we want to plant the tree, quick, quick, give me the fruit, I'm going to die tomorrow. Will it work? Of course, even if at the end of life somebody fully surrenders to Krishna, he can get deliverance. Parikshit Maharaj was given seven days to live. He was cursed to die in seven days. So he was trying to, he asked all the rishis, all the munis, all the great sages, how can I get liberation? Seven days I have. But they couldn't, they couldn't come to a decision. The Gana yogis, how Gana takes birth. Many, many births before you get Mukti by Gana Yoga. Seven days, what you'll do? The Hatha Yogis and Astanga Yogis, just to learn the asanas, you have to take more than a month or five or year course. What to speak? Seven days. Not enough time, what to speak of pranayam and then samadhi, dhyan, this takes time. Buddha Dev meditated six years and that's like a world record to achieve some realization. Non-stop, six years. And hardly anyone gets that fed, it takes usually much. And he didn't also realize Brahman, he realized Nirvana. It's a lower level. The the yogis, they, they couldn't guarantee him seven days. The karmakandi said, no hope. They don't even have the scope to give liberation. So Sukadev Goswami came. 
he was asked the same question. How can a person about to die achieve perfection? And what is good for all people in the world? I want to give instruction for everyone who is going to die in the future. These instructions are only for people who are going to die. Any of you who are never going to die, leave this body. This instruction may not apply to you. Sometimes you say the reverse thing, it makes the point stronger. All of us are going to have to leave this body. So it's applicable to all of us. So Sukadeva Goswami told him that seven days is a long time. Katwanga Maharaj achieved perfection in one moment. In one mohurtam. He has seven days. What's the problem? Simply you have to hear and remember that Names and pastimes and qualities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Bhagavan, Sri Krishna. And His different expansions. Vishnu, Narayam. Then you'll achieve all the perfections. And so for seven days, they discussed the bhaktas of the Lord, the pastimes of the Lord, the instructions of the Lord, the nature of the Lord. And Pariksit achieved liberation. Sukadev Goswami achieved liberation. But why did Pariksit Maharaj agree to take that in instruction? From his very childhood, he was born grandson of Arjuna. Who is a greater bhakta than Arjuna? The friend of Krishna who received the Bhagavad Gita that we're reading today. Pariksit was in a family of great devotees. He was, saw Krishna in the womb of his mother. When Aswatthama tried to kill Pariksit with the uh, Brahmastra, his body was burned and Krishna gave him a new body. And he could see Krishna in the womb. That's why he got the name Parikit. Parikha or Pariksha means to test. Because he saw Krishna in the womb, he would see every person. Is this the same Krishna? No, not the same. Everyone he would be testing to try to see Krishna again. Once you see Krishna, you want to see him again. So he got the name Parikshit because he's always doing Pariksha or testing, examining every person, looking for Krishna. So it was natural for him to take shelter of Krishna at the end of life. If we cultivate our own spiritual consciousness, chant Hare Krishna, associate with the devotees, then at the end of life, we'll also be able to take shelter of Krishna. Otherwise, one of our devotees, they went to see the mother who was dying in the hospital. And the devotee requested, Mother, the doctor says you are going to die. Please, chant Hare Krishna. No, no, I like to, but I can't. I'm feeling very weak. It's difficult for me to speak. I can't say... What you're speaking, that word is difficult for me. And, and go, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> Finish. So many words he said. Even he said, I can't say Hare Krishna. She would have been liberated. He said, no, no, I, because they don't have the culture. They don't have the habit. We had to develop the habit in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna explains. Little ahead here, in the 12th chapter. And follow the regulated principles of Bhakti Yoga. 
In this way, develop a desire to attain me. So here Krishna says, By the practice of devotional service. We practice. By that we develop a desire to go back to Krishna. So by this practice, one will develop faith. By practicing, by hearing, by associating, the faith will grow. We have to develop that determination to serve the Lord with our life, then we are actually become free from the karmas. So this verse that we read, the first verse today, verse in uh, chapter 9, was those who are not faithful in this devotional service cannot attain me, O conquer of enemies. Therefore they return to the path of birth and death in this material world. So that should be of concern to us how to develop faith. If I don't have faith, I have to come back to this world of birth and death. So how do I develop faith? But then we, that's the, the thing that we need to know. So that's the recommendation. You associate with those who are faithful. You want to have faith, you develop, you develop faith by associating with people who are faithful. If you associate with people who have no faith, Hare, why are you doing that? There's no need for all this. And they go on, so how will you be able to uh, develop faith? They don't know. They're just speaking out of their negative attitude. Do you want to develop faith? He had to associate with someone. Krishna is saying here who to, how to have faith. You associate with bhaktas. Satsanga. Asatsanga tyaga. Evaishnabacha. We have to avoid intimately discussing these matters with people who are not faithful. If I want to know something confidential about someone, I'll go to a friend or some intimate person. If we want to know about Krishna, we go to his bhaktas and we find out from them. When Lord Chaitanya first manifested the bhakti, when he got diksha, he started to cry for Krishna. He started to chant always, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. He was feeling so much ecstasy, he's chanting, he's dancing, he's crying. But what all the old people that knew him, all the other scholar, he was a big pundit. He had a big uh, toll. So many students. So the other brahmanas, they were saying, what's gone wrong with Nimai Pandit? That was the name of Goranga Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Dev was called Nimai Pandit at first. So what happened to him? Now he's gone a uh, little bit funny. Some bayu dosh. Errors, misplaced. He's laughing, he's crying. What's gone wrong? They told him, Mother Sachi, you better tie your son up in the house. He's going with those devotees chanting Hare Krishna. Laughing and crying and fainting on the ground. He's got the disturbed airs, Bayu Dosh. The one said, yes, you should feed him tender coconut, cool down his brain. Another one said, no, no, what is tender coconut? It's not strong enough. Give some Vishnu Toilam on the head. 
This will cool him down. Don't let him go out until he's cured of this. People go to him, what are you doing? Something gone wrong with you? So finally he went to the Srivas Thakur, one great Vaishnava. He bowed down and said, Srivas Thakur, ever since I took Diksha, now I become a changed person. When I chant, I feel so much happiness. Sometimes tears are coming in my eyes, sometimes my hairs are standing on end. So I'm feeling so much happy, sometimes the laughter is just coming. The people are telling me that I've gone crazy, that I got some disease. So I want to ask you, is this a disease I'm suffering? So Shiva's Thakur thought and he said, yes, you have got a disease. And Lord Chaitanya became very grave. Shiva's Thakur said, you have got a disease. And I want that disease also. You have got the disease of love of Krishna. Krishna Prema. Then Lord Chaitanya was feeling a lot of relief. He said, Srivas Pandit, I respect you as a very venerable Vaishnava who knows Bhakti Tattva. When people told me I was got Bayu Dosh and sick, said, if this was true, I'm just suffering some disease, or I'll just take my life in the Ganges. What's the use of living? The highest happiness I ever experienced, if it's a disease, if I'm mad, then what's the use of living? So you reassured me, you actually saved my life. Then Srivas Thakur told him, listen, the love of Krishna that you have, even Brahma and Shiva want that. But they don't always get. So don't mind what other people say. You can ignore it. But just to facilitate you, the devotees would like to chant Hare Krishna with you. You can come to my house. I have a garden. You can chant together with the devotees. We won't let the other people in if they're going to criticize or cause disturbance. So in this way, the Sankirtan started with Lord Chaitanya chanting with all the bhaktas. Then later, Lord Chaitanya, when everyone became very confident, they went out and to the street and told everyone to chant and be happy. So we hope all of you chant and be happy and perfect your lives. Here you are solving your economic problems, working in the Gulf. I don't know if this is still the Gulf or anyway, Oman. But simultaneously serve, uh, solve your spiritual problem, problem of birth and death, old age disease, and achieve at the same time pure love of Krishna and perfection of life. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. Any question? Yes? Atma Maya means the Yoga Maya. Krishna has got different shaktis. In the Upanishads it explains, Parash shakti vividai vasruyate. That the Supreme Lord has got different energies. Shaktis mean energy. He has got material energy. He has got the spiritual energy. 
So Krishna comes down in this material world out of his spiritual energy. We come in this material world because of karma, because we are bound to the material energy, which is another level of energy. We are born in a particular family, particular mother and father, because of our karmas. But when Krishna comes down, he comes on his own free will. So he's saying, I, Sambhavami Atmamaya, I'm coming in this material world on my own strength. I don't need to come by because of karma or so. I'm coming out of my own strength. This is my own personal shakti. Using Yoga Maya, he appears in the material world and he's visible to the people, but he's not bound by the laws of karma. Just like if the head of state wants to go and see the prisoners in the prison house, he can phone up the prison house and say, I'm coming to visit your prison. He goes and checks it out and he leaves. He's not bound by the laws of the prison. He's not a prisoner. In fact, head of state sometimes releases prisoners. Alright, today is centennial of the nation or independence. Okay. All the minor prisoners are freed. It happens. So Krishna, he comes down to give you all freedom. Hare Krishna. Don't think Krishna is one of the prisoners like us. Any other question? You see, in a court, there's always different lawyers. Now, say one lawyer says, I'm right, the other one's wrong. So the judge is going to say, why are you right? The one lawyer is saying, well, I'm right because previously the Supreme Court has judged like this, High Court like this, this is the precedent, this is the law, this is the reason why. And the other lawyer says, well, that's all right. But I'm right because I'm right. I feel I'm right. I have a gut feeling. In my heart I feel it. So who will the judge uh, give the award to? The one who just says, uh, I'm right because I'm very handsome and good looking and you should agree with what I say? Or the person who's giving all the evidences and the... Obviously the one who gives all the back up the authority. So our Vedic culture is based on Veda Pramana. Everything should be backed by Vedas. So that's why we're quoting Bhagavad Gita, we're quoting... You can decide, everyone has to decide themselves. We're not saying that, believe that uh, this one is right or that. We're saying, well, this is what Krishna has said, this is what Vedas are saying, this is the conclusion. Always... Veda's culture, Vedic culture has been very open-minded. Two pundits would get together, discuss who had a better idea, the other would accept him as guru. Nowhere in the world do we find it. We find uh, such open-minded history with the idea is always to find a more clear, better understanding of the Vedas. Because the Vedas are so vast. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he also met so many people. And uh, whether South India, whether Western India, whether Tukaram, or whether the, in Sri Rangam, or whether wherever it was, he met people. 
And he convinced them according to the Shastra, according to the logic, based on the Shastra that what is according to a personal realization, based on the Shastra, that what is the, uh, the why this is a better path. Spiritual life and the way it develops in the world is uh, progressive. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed that in the Vedas, for this age, it's recommended, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Hare Namaiva Kevalam, Kalova Nasteva, Nasteva, Nasteva Gatyanyata. The Brihad Naradiya Prana is saying, chant the holy name of Hari, chant the holy name of Hari, chant the holy name of Hari. There's no other alternative. Nasteva, Nasteva, no other, no other, no other. Not noi three time nasteva, not karma, not jnana, not yoga. Only through the process of Harinam, through this process of bhakti, chanting the holy names. Kalo Katiranyata, in this age of Kali, how you'll do the perfect karmas? Who can do work perfectly? Little mistake in Vedas has showed one Ranti Dev, not Ranti, uh, Riga. Mriga Maharas, he was giving hundred cows to every Brahmin. While he's giving hundred cows, one cow ran back from one Brahmin to the other Brahmin. And he gave, no, ran back into the, he had million cows there. He's giving to hundred cow every Brahmin. So one he gives hundred cows, but one cow unseen to him ran back into the uh, main bulk of cows. He gave out the same cow twice. So the one Brahmin cow, I got 99 cows. Hey, that Brahmin's got my cow. They went to this uh, Riga Maharas. You gave me 99 cows. You gave 100, took one back. You gave to him, I want it. And Riga Maharas, he look at, I gave it by accident. And that, for that one cow, I give you a thousand cows. So no prestige matter. I did first, you give it to me. He went to the other Brahmin, I give you a thousand cows for this one cow, let me give it to him. I gave it to him. For, what? You gave it to me, I won't give it up. Doesn't matter, you give me a million cows, it's mine. You gave it, I won't give it up. So he got caught. And the both Brahmins finally they cursed him. What do you do? Gave me a cow, so already gave it to someone else. You become a lizard. So he is doing so much punya, giving all the Brahmins hundred cows. He, what he gets? He gets a curse to become a lizard. So Krishna was going in the field when he was with Sandipani Muni Ashram and with Jain. In Madhya Pradesh, I believe. In the Madhya Pradesh, Then, uh, he found that, uh, king as a lizard in one kua, one open well. So, he liberated him and brought him back. And then the king said that, I was trying to achieve perfection by doing good works. But little error and I became a lizard. Now I'm finished with trying to do good work. I don't want to be a do-gooder anymore. I want to be a, your servant. Because you are the only one who protects the devotee. My good works will never protect me. Now I firmly believe that. Please accept me as your devotee. So not karma, not jnana, not yoga. But chanting the holy name. Now, if, if I said, okay, this is my opinion. Chanting Hare Krishna is the best. But who am I? What, are I? what authority am I? 
It's not a question that everybody says that theirs is the best. What do the Vedas say? We're not saying that what we say is the best. We're saying that the Vedas are saying this is the best way. This is the authorized way for this age. The other groups, if they don't accept, they're still following some old system. They haven't come up to date yet. Let them answer why the Vedas are saying, chant the holy name, chant the holy name, chant the holy We're not saying. We're saying only because Vedas are saying. And we are doing and we are getting the result. It works. But if someone has other faith, we don't disturb them. Let them do what they like. Vedas have that broad-minded. Someone can do karma, can do gana, can do yoga. We don't mind. We are just offering that Vedas say this is the recommended way, this is the best way for this age. This is the way guaranteeing success. You do it and see, if people in the western countries, Americans, Europeans, uh, Africans, they are doing and they are getting their visa. What to speak of someone born as a Hindu, born as an Indian, with a, already their culture and their blood. What is the difficulty for them to practice? Chanting Hare Krishna for them is like uh, easy as uh, eating rasgulas. It's very difficult for people. They can't even... I preach in America and they, can, they cannot pronounce the Sanskrit also. You go in the Chinese areas, they try to chant Hare Krishna. They don't know how to pronounce Ra. They say Law. They say Klisna. Hare Klisna, Hare Klisna, 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 Hare Hare. Hare Lama, Hare Lama, 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 Hare Hare. But because Krishna is a person, even if your baby doesn't say, you know... Your name perfectly it says Pita, Mama, Ma. You still love it because the baby is recognizing you. It's your child. So even though someone is chanting Hare Lama instead of Hare Rama, Krishna still accepts their bhakti. That's the wonderful thing. But if someone already has the ability, they can chant very easily. They can do all the things. One of our sannyasis went to China. And uh, he was there, and he told them that I don't eat any meat, fish, or eggs. No, uh, see, we're vegetarian. We don't eat meat, fish, or eggs. So then they came with a cake. So here's a cake for you. So what does it, you know, I have some dietary restriction. No, no, no problem. There's no meat, fish, or egg. No animal, no fish, no eggs. So he's going to eat it well. Could you tell me, what does it have in it? Ah, no, there's a cockroach, a grasshopper, flies. I'm uh, feeling a little bit squeamish today. Because their eating habit is different, no? So they don't eat fish egg, only grasshoppers and cockroaches, worms. <laughs> so they had to go through a lot of austerities to adapt their eating habit and adapt their lifestyle a little bit to accommodate devotional service, which is not so difficult for people from India. But they are doing and they are getting so much uh, bliss. What to speak as someone from India? So we are not saying this is the only way. We are saying the Vedas are saying this is the recommended way in this age. The Vedas are saying it's the only way. If the Shastra says, Nasteva, 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 you cannot fault us on that. If we just say, we're the only way, we can say it, but we're not saying, we're saying the Vedas are saying. 
But this is the only way where you're guaranteed success. You can do other ways, but you will not reach it. Just like you can go from here to New York by swimming. But you may not reach it. The river ocean is there to swim, you know, through Suez Canal or something. Somebody crossed the Pacific Ocean by rowboat. They did it. But it's not very easy. Someone may also get by one of their previous processes. One out of billions of them. They might. Who knows? But Vedas say, you're not guaranteed. But if you chant Harinam and this aid, you're guaranteed success. If you fly by jet, you can be guaranteed. Moral, I mean, of course, in the material was a crude example. You may get an accident, but say no accident. You're guaranteed to be there in 20 hours or 16 hours. But if someone goes to cross the Pacific by balloon or by boat, by rowboat, if they make it, it's a miracle. Nobody makes it. If they do it, one, one person did so far. And he's not recommending anyone else try it. They said, what have you proved by crossing the ocean by rowboat? He said, I didn't prove anything. I didn't learn anything. Only thing is I did it. But we don't know that uh, with our life, is it worth this? It's one thing for, but with our life, we don't want to take such a risk. The Vedas are saying, chant the holy name, chant the holy name. It says so many places that the chanting the Krishna Nam is the easiest way to achieve the perfection in this A, is the recommended A, a way. If you want to do another way, you may not reach it in one life. You will, you, 99% you won't reach. And here you're 100% you're guaranteed to reach. So which way you'll take? 100% guarantee, or even if you don't fully able to do, you're guaranteed to continue on in the next. And the other one, you're guaranteed, practically guaranteed not to achieve. If you achieve, it's a very rare fluke by yoga, by jnana, by any, in this age. So we're just trying to be very practical. We're very, we respect if someone's doing yoga, we respect. If someone's doing jnana, we respect. They're also part of Vedic culture. But how far they'll be successful? According to Vedas, they won't be able to achieve quick success, especially in this age. What's the question? Krishna in Bhagavad Gita says, Yoga Kshemam Baham Yaham. That I protect what you have and I give what you lack. He also told Arjuna, Arjuna said, What if I do it, I don't finish? I have left some of my material comforts at the same time. I won't have achieved the perfection. So I'll be something like a cloud being torn apart by the wind. Neither no standing in material light, no standing in spiritual life. He had also this fear. Then Krishna told him, for someone who does good work, someone who's doing something good, there's never a bad result. Krishna said that in case you don't finish your devotional service in this lifetime and go back to Godhead, then your next birth, you'll take birth in Swarga. You'll enjoy there for tens of thousands of years and all kinds of material opulence and pleasures. 
then you'll take birth again in a material world and I mean this planet or one of these this kind of planet as a human either in a family of yogis brahmanas or rich people rich mercantile people so you won't have anything to worry about or you'll already be formed in a family of yogis so you can easily continue your spiritual process so there's nothing to worry about there are some cases where a person is trying to practice devotional service but what they're doing is keeping the foot and two boats at the same time in the middle of the river they are not fully depending on krishna they are not they are putting a little bit of a show for depending on krishna's but same time they want to still have all the material perspectives of life so they're trying to keep the both things going at the same time we have to change our vision spiritual life doesn't mean you have to take sanyas doesn't mean you have to give up grihas does but it means you have to give up your idea that this material world is a place to be happy by sense gratification we come to the conclusion that real happiness comes from spiritual development and this material life we do it but this not the happiness may come the sadness may come but this is not the goal of my life but if we think that let me do bhakti and by bhakti i'll get also a lot of material happiness so what we are trying to do is keep the feet in two boats at the same time and they're going apart so sometime krishna he give us a little encouragement to get on the right boat and after that then he again gives the material facility just like bali maharaj he was a bhakta but he was misusing bhakti for enjoying a, a material kingdom because his guru was not proper he had the sukracharya was giving little materialistic instruction so when bamana dev came he temporarily took everything away for about a few hours but then he gave him a new kingdom a new planet and he personally stayed there and protected him that no one will attack you so he was better off than before because before always the devas are trying to regroup and kick him out of swark so he was not a secure position but where bali maharaj is today is very secure position and he is most happy because materially and spiritually so sometimes like that now when bali maharaj's wife she came and said actually you gave a blessing to my husband you took away his material thing this is your special mercy because he was too proud he had too much ego he thought this was his he didn't realize everything is yours so what can he give up he gave you charity three steps of land what is his to give you own everything but then krishna told her don't think that this is my special mercy that my real mercy is when someone has got all the opulence all the material facility but doesn't think that this is his he think it's he's not intoxicated by that he takes it this is all the mercy of the lord when the person has all the opulence but is not uh, affected by that that's to be known as my mercy special mercy
So people take the proper attitude. They don't need to give up. They don't need to lose anything. There may be some case where someone historically had lost because of not actually practicing properly. That's why you need a proper guru. You need to do yukta bhairagya. That means we need to engage what we have in Krishna's service in a proper way. Krishna never take away. Why he'll take away from us? And even if temporarily, historically, so well, somebody got lost something, Krishna gave them back after a little training. Much better than what they had. So this is very... But with these kind of people, you cannot reason so easily because uh, these are excuses. They're not real rational understanding. Where in the scripture does it say, you surrender to God, you'll lose everything. Krishna says, As you surrender to me, I reciprocate. If you give yourself to Krishna, Krishna will give himself to you. Viprasudama, he went to Krishna, he couldn't ask Krishna for anything. He just was so happy to see his old friend. When he went back to his house, Krishna gave him a whole palace. Gave him everything. Because he knew that his wife wanted it, so okay, give him. But Krishna didn't want to say anything because he thought my devotee is giving me bhakti, which is so much more valuable. My devotee's friendship is more valuable. What is a palace? What is money? What is this material world? It's nothing. They're giving me love. In this world, who gives anybody love, right? All the big people are always worried, do they love me or my money? They hear someone giving Krishna bhakti. Krishna is so pleased to give him anything. But Krishna is so grateful, he feels embarrassed that what is this material thing in exchange for the devotee's love? The devotee's love is worth so much more. So Krishna didn't even mention to Sudama Vipra that I'm giving you all these things. Because why did he feel embarrassed? I'm giving this some lowly material things and he's giving me bhakti. If you give Krishna bhakti, the Bhagavatam says, that akamo sarvakamo va moksha kamo daraditi braina bhakti jogena jitaita purusham param. Whatever you, if you have no desire, if you have all desire, or you desire liberation, you get whatever you want simply by offering pure devotion to the Lord. So people are never the loser by giving to Krishna. This is uh, some rumor started uh, by people who have not understood the deep significance of <coughs> the teachings. So I don't... Should we go on and now it's time for Prashad? More questions? Okay. Yes, sir. Krishna is describing his uh, bibhutis. Comparing different things in the material world to himself. So we get an idea, everything great, everything wonderful, everything superlative in the world is a, a part of the manifestation of Krishna. Arjuna asked him, 
दिव्य आत्म विभूताय Please tell me in detail of your divine opulences by which you pervade all these worlds. What are your bibhutis? So Krishna said, I can tell you, but I am unlimited. I am the super soul situated in everyone's heart, in the beginning, middle and end. Then he goes and says, Of the Adityas, I am Vishnu. I am lights, I am radiant sun. Of Maruts, I am Marichi. Among the stars, I am the moon. Of the Vedas, I am Samaved. Of demigods, I am Indra, king of Hendra, of heaven. Of the Rudras, I am Lord Shiva. Of the mountains, I am Meru. Of the bodies of water, I am the ocean. Then he says here, Yajnanam Japa Jagyosmi I am the chanting of the holy names Japa So here he's saying of all yajyas of all sacrifices I am the sacrifice of chanting the holy names So there are so many there's fire yajna there's gana yajna there's so many yajyas but Krishna is saying of all yajnas I am Japusmi. I am the chanting of the holy names. So I am vibrations. I am the Umkar. I am cows. I am the Surabhi. The rivers, I am the Ganges. Of all sciences, I am the science of the self. Among women, I am fame, fortune, fine speech, memory, intelligence, steadfastness and patience. He says, of poetry, Chandasam, Aham, Gayatri, Chandrasam, Aham. Of all the poetry, I am the Gayatri. So here he is saying that Gayatri is the best poetry. He doesn't say Gayatri is the best yajna. He said Japa is the best yajna. He said Gayatri is the best poetry. Chandrasam. So Gayatri can help us in our spiritual advancement. But to chant Gayatri, there's some prerequisite. You should take a diksha. You should be uh, clean, face in a certain direction, do your achaman, do certain things. To do Gayatri properly, there are certain prerequisites. But in order to chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, there's no hard and fast rules. Nam nama karibahudani jasharva shakti startrarpita niyamita smarane na kala kala niyama There's no strict rules. So for everybody, chanting the holy name is uh, recommended. And those who chant Hare Krishna, we also give Gayatri. We are also giving Pancharatri Gayatri. If one takes Harinam Diksha, 
then after one year, they, if they want, they can take Gayatri. But to take Gayatri is also to take the Brahminical or the Dvija initiation, bring certain additional responsibility. You become more responsible for your karmas. At the same time, you can advance also faster. So chanting Gayatri brings with it various implications. So for universal purpose, the chanting is the best. And for some additional boost, Gayatri is helpful. But I think the words of the Gita are fairly clear. Jagya Nam, Japa, Jagyosmi. Of all sacrifices, I am Japa of the holy names. And of all poetry, I am the Gayatri. Gayatri is Krishna also. But to chant Gayatri, we have to have a clear mind. We have to, to chant silently requires a clear mind, isn't it? So how we'll get a clear mind? <laughs> That's how we chant Hare Krishna, then you get a clear mind. Then you can also chant Gayatri. So we are doing Trisandhya. We had the Upanayanam and we also received the Gayatri Mantra. We chant every day, Trisandhya Gayatri Mantra. We give out this Pancharatric Gayatri, Kam Beach, Krishna Mantra, Chaitanya Beach, Chaitanya Mantra, but Guru Beach, Guru Mantra, and Savitri Gayatri. To do that though, some preparation is needed. Just everyone cannot chant Gayatri. They won't give the concentration. There won't be any use then. And you cannot chant Gayatri every time and place. But Hare Krishna, you can chant. One of our doctors, he has to go and see the patients. So while he's seeing the patients, walking in the hall, he's got his, uh, he's meditating, chanting Hare Krishna in between patients. One director and a production of the a factory in South India, while he supervises the workers are working, he's got in his pocket, he's got his counter. Sometimes you see the workers see the counter. What is using one of the clicker counters? They say, what are you doing? He said, look at, I'm counting everything you're doing. <laughs> Actually, he's counting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. He has to be there, see people are working. He can just as well chant Hare Krishna. So we're saying that whatever spare time you use it for remembering Krishna, it gives some time in a day. Five or ten percent maximum to chanting fully concentration, with full concentration. And rest of the time, as much as possible, you chant every available moment, or you hear the bhajans, you have a tape now, Walkman, car radio, car tape, you go on listening. And three and if you, then you can also do three sandhya, Gayatri, no problem. Gayatri is not to be chanted all the time. Is that all right? Yes. Om. Om is the original sound. It's a transcendental vibration. With the Omkara, the whole creation of the material world commences. 
The Om is comprised of three letters, A, U, and Ma. Aum. And the one letter means the absolute truth. The next letter means the energy of the absolute truth. And the third letter means the jiva, the individual souls. So even in the Om, there's also Krishna realization for those who go deep into it. But the Om is also chanted before every Vedic mantra. And sometimes people say only the, those who are initiated can chant Omkar. They say put some rules and regulations. But in chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, there are no such uh, strict rules and regulations. Also Om, generally speaking, is a, used as like, when you want to dial Oma and you have to dial code, What's the code here? Zero nine three or something? Zero nine six eight. So when you want to address to the Param Brahma, you just say Om. Immediately he's there listening. Yes. Then you say the mantra Om Namo Bhagavate Vas. I'm offering you Bhagavan Vasudeva, son of Vasudev, my namaskar. So all Vedic mantra is Om. That means I get a dialing code. Okay, now immediately Krishna is there. But for the bhaktas, there are different names. So, names which contain the guna, rupa, lila, the, uh, of the Lord, these different type of nams are more relished by the devotees. Because also Om generally doesn't distinguish which form of the Lord. Om means the Lord, it means also the Absolute. For the devotee, it means Krishna and Radha and the energy, the Jiva. But for the ordinary people, Om can also mean the Brahman, can mean Paramatma, it means the Param Brahma. So Om can mean various things to various people. But when we say Krishna, it's very clear what we mean. There was that one Rishi, he was praying Ishvara. So the three Ishwaras came, Brahma, Shiva and Mahesh, and uh, Vishnu. Yes, what do you want? Because <laughs> he didn't distinguish, he didn't know which was the Supreme. So then if he had said Paramishara, for each age. So in the Kali Santarana Upanishad it recommends for the age of Kali that we chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. This says Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Iti Sodasikam Nam Nam Kali Kalmashanashanam Many people might know a little Hindi or Sanskrit. So it's very simple Sanskrit. Iti Sodasikam Nam Nam these sixteen names, Kali Kalamasha Nashanam, Kali Kalamash, means the contamination of Kali Nashanam is destroyed by these sixteen names. Nata Parata Upaya, there is no better alternative. Nata 
Upaya. There's no better alternative. Sarva Vedesha Dishate is to be seen in the whole Vedas. If the Upanishads say there's no better alternative, you can look for a better alternative, but you are, you won't find. Vyasdeva is already saying there's no better alternative. But if you don't want to chant Hare Krishna, chant Umkar. It's alright. But if you chant Hare Krishna, this is recommended for this age. And we find that you can chant it to different tunes. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And it attracts people. Even people from other culture, they like to hear the chanting. But it's very difficult to chant. Om, 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 Om. It's very, I mean, it doesn't. Om is a different vibration. Om is meant for a deeper kind of meditation. It's, it has its own purpose. And Om is also transcendental vibration. It is also Param Brahma. It is one of the names of Krishna. But for regular chanting, it's not recommended in this age. As a, as a source of meditation. It may have been recommended in other ways, but Um is also the main vibration of the Avedas. That is the significance of absolute truth. So we worship Um. But for our personal meditation, we follow the prescription and we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And when we do some Savitri Gayatri. Then we begin Om, Bhur, Bhuva, so on. So we use Om and all our mantras. I don't know if this was the answer you're looking for. Hare Krishna. Yes. For Krishna, for absolute truth. But Krishna's name and Krishna is not different. So you don't need a dialing code for Krishna's name. <laughs> if you want to make a message, just like we say, we say, Om Adhyo. We start like that. Om Adhyo. Today, Annaprasana Bhiniyoga Karishyami. Like that we say, okay, today, I'm going to do anaprasana for some yagya, some sankalpa. We'll do adhyo, om, then we'll go om, tat, vishnu, paramang, like. So, for some, there we're saying that I'm going to do this sankalpa today to do, uh, some sanskara. So then we'll say om, tat, vishnu, paramang, padam. We'll say, oh, now then we're offering this to vishnu. Or we can all say om, tat, sat. That whatever we are about to do, or whatever we've done, this is all offered to the Supreme as an offering to Him. Hari. Hari is a form of addressing the energy of Hari. Hara is the energy of the Lord. And that, I don't know the, what they call it in the Sanskrit, but it's a form of addressing the energy of the Lord. That's Hari. So Hare Krishna, O Krishna, O energy of Krishna. Hare Rama, O the energy of Rama. So that means Radha, 
or the energy of Krishna. You may consider Radha or Sita Ram or Radha and Krishna. Energy of Rama, energy of Krishna. Yes. Because we should chant mantra that is prescribed. Radharani is a very compassionate, just like the ladies are very compassionate, soft-hearted, gentle. So like the Radharani is the personification of mercy, kindness. So if we call to her name first, so that gives us Krishna is also pleased we're calling her name first. She is also very kind to bless us. But we're asking her for blessing to serve Krishna. So we say, Hare Krishna. Yes, energy. God is God. He doesn't become God. He always was God. He always will be God. He is God. Now He always will be the Supreme Personality of God. We are the part of the Lord. So one drop of the ocean cannot become the whole ocean. Even if you put a drop of water, one drop of rain falls in the ocean. It doesn't become the whole ocean. It just mixes in the other ocean water. So we are one molecule of water. We don't become the whole ocean. We just remain one molecule of water. So we can never become God. So the idea that we become God is also a kind of illusion in its own sense. We are one with inequality with God, but the quantity we can never be the same. So in this way, Lord Chaitanya taught that we are simultaneously one and different with the Lord. We are the same in quality. Satchidananda. Lord is Satchidananda. But quantity, we are Anu. And Lord is Vibhu. He is great. We are minute. Any Maharajis have a question? <laughs> we cannot realize God with the material senses. Just like Arjuna wanted to see the Virat Rupa, or wanted to see the Chaturbhus or the Dvibhus Rupa. He had to be given divine vision by Krishna. So by material senses we will not be able to realize Krishna. But by serving the Lord, by engaging in His devotional service, He reveals Himself to His devotee. As you reveal your mind to Krishna, as you give your energy to Krishna, as you take shelter of Krishna, then He reciprocates with you. He reveals Himself to you. He protects you. He takes a personal interest in your life. You're working for His interest. He works for your interest. So who gets the better deal? You give yourself to Krishna. Krishna gives Himself to you. Generally we turn in an old car. To get a new car we have to pay the full price. You're giving this uh, lowly, insignificant human body and service of Krishna. And in exchange, He is giving His transcendental self. What a wonderful uh, exchange. It's unheard of. 
So, someone asked the question like this, how we can see God? God is so great. We are so significant. And Prabhupada said, if the Lord wants to come and see you, who will stop Him? If head of state wants to come and see you, who is going to stop Him? The Queen of England wants to go and see somebody, who will stop him? her? So if Krishna and Radha are so pleased with you, you are doing such nice service, they will come and reveal themselves to you, they want to see you. So we should put ourselves in such a position that by serving the Lord, and it's even more dear if you serve His devotee, He is very grateful for those who are serving His devotee because in this world His devotee are doing His work. He says in Bhagavad Gita 18th chapter that of all those who explain the science of the devotion of Bhagavad Gita to my devotees, they are the most dear devotee in the world to me. So someone who serves those devotees and helps them in their mission, then Krishna also becomes very grateful and He gives even more blessings. So by Krishna's mercy, everything is possible. This is actually the process. There's no other way to know Krishna. Krishna says, Bhakta Maam Abhijanati. Except for my devotees, no one else can know me. We cannot know Krishna except by Bhakti. So although we have this material body, this is why we say this is called making the best use of a bad bargain. Material body means it's going to grow old, it's going to get disease, it's going to die. Sometime we can be happy, sometime we'll have to suffer. So Krishna is simply saying you enjoy, but enjoy in this way. You have to eat, eat prasadam. You want to have children, okay, you have children, you have family life, but do it, be married. Raise your children to be devotee as far as possible. Ultimately it's their choice, but you give them the chance to be bhaktas. You want to earn money, all right, earn money, maintain yourself, but use some of it for Krishna's work. So that the activity is purified. Do the yajna by Vishnu. Do the yajna, the sacrifice for Vishnu. Then your work becomes purified. Brahmachari sannyasis had to do tapasya. And the grihastis had to do yajna. Dhana. They are, they are, grihastis aren't for tapa. We are for the tapa. But grihastis have different dharma. But whatever, whoever, whether some brahmachari or whether grihasti or whether bhanaprasti or whether sannyas, according to their dharma, they do something for Krishna. And Krishna, He promises, You bow down to Me, you think of Me, you become My devotee. You offer your, what? Bow down. Manmana, Think of me, be my devotee. Madhyaji, worship with me. Mangnamaskuru, bow down to me. Offer your obeisance to me. Mangnevaisasi, you will come to me. Satyante, this is the truth. So why you doubt? Krishna is saying, you do this, you'll come to me. No need of doubting. How it can be? That is the Krishna's mercy. That's His got the power to do it. He said, you want to come to me? This is how you do it. Someone said, how do I get to Oman? You go by Gulf Air, Air India, this way, that way, you take the route. How is it possible? That's the route, you have to take it. All right. So Krishna is giving, this is the route. You do these things, you'll come to me. 
Sarvadharman Padityacha Mamhekang Saranang Baja. Forget all the other duties, all the other dharma. You just do this one thing, you surrender to me, and I will take charge of your life. I'll save you from all the sins. I'll bring you back to me. I'll give you all liberation. Mahasucha, don't worry. Nothing to worry about. Everything is in my hands. So you can get package, just like you can get life insurance, accident insurance. Then you can get house insurance, theft insurance. You go on, hundred insurances are there. Or you can get comprehensive insurance, one package deal. So Krishna is giving comprehensive. You take comprehensive, then you don't need all the others. If you don't take comprehensive, you have to take all the others. So what do you want? You decide. So let's chant for a few minutes and then any other, huh? A few minutes we can chant. Yes. So they are accepting that Krishna and Vishnu is same. So then they can also chant Hare Krishna. What's the problem? But there's Krishna is the incarnation of Vishnu, he's saying. So that means that incarnation means the same. But I'm just saying that logic is illogical. Okay, we are saying, I'm accepting your point. We are saying Krishna is original. That's given in the Bhagavatam. Ete chang sakala pung sang vishwa krishna stu bhagavan swayam. That all the avatars come before or after Krishna, but they're the part and parcel of Krishna. It's not who comes on the scene first is the original. They're living in a spiritual world, Golok Vrindavan eternally. Here is the material stage. Who comes on the stage first? That doesn't mean he's the main hero. Hero may come also in the second act. <laughs> but even I say, okay, even if they say, okay, Vishnu is the original and Krishna is the incarnation. But then Krishna is also, then he is also not different. So when Krishna came and he spoke Gita, this is accepted by Ramanuja Acharya, accepted by Madhva, accepted by Nimbarka, by Raman, by, by Vishnu Swami, Balava Acharya, by Shankaracharya also. Everyone is accepting Bhagavad Gita. So we're just saying follow Bhagavad Gita. Now why we say Krishna is original? Because Vedas also say he's the original. This discussion was there between uh, Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Pandit. Many South Indian Brahmanas consider Narayan is the original. Narayan. They consider like that. You see, many Hindus consider like that. But actually, Avedas, they say sometimes that Krishna is coming as the incarnation of Vishnu. There's also a statement to that effect. Because uh, Brahma came and prayed at the side of the ocean of milk and Vishnu said, I'll come. So, But when Krishna is coming... So they take that to mean, so Krishna came, so that means Vishnu came. But the Vishnu is also included in Krishna, because Krishna is original. But So that too, that, that statement they interpret to mean that, so Krishna is incarnation of Vishnu. But Vishnu, Krishna is all the same personality. 
the same Supreme Lord in different forms. So the question only is which is the original form, which is the most complete form. Not that there's two gods, not that Vishnu and Krishna is that in competition. They're the same absolute Lord. They never fight between Vishnu and Krishna. Maybe Shiva or Brahma or Indra, there may be, but not be to the Vishnu is the same. So only question is, who is the original form? So the original form, the most complete form, that has been decided by great sages and rishis, that is actually Krishna, because he has got more qualities than Narayan. Four plus quality, correct, you know it. You know you are telling me why. <laughs> You see, but we don't want to waste. You see, we we we'll even you see. These are detail in one sense. Let people you accept Narayan or you accept Krishna. That's get. If you got to that point, there was a difficulty. We can go on chanting together, no problem. Take the prasad. You go in uh, Kerala, you'll find that uh, Krishna temple is there, Ananta Padmanabha temple, same. But Guru Bayar is Krishna. Tirupati actually. Originally was two-handed. Balaji is also, Srinivasan is also Krishna, Govinda. Rasi Rangam is two-handed, it's also Krishna. But when Lord Chaitanya was at Sri Rangam for four months in the rainy season, he had discussion with the Brahmanas there. So they were saying that, why do you worship Krishna? You worship Narayana, he's the original form. So Lord Chaitanya said, all right, I'm accepting you saying Narayana is the original form, but then I have one question to ask you. If Narayana is the original form and Lakshmi is his consort, so why in Vedas it says Lakshmi did tapasya to enter into Krishna Ras Leela? If she is the original, she doesn't have to do tapasya, she can walk in. Because these are very fine points. So then uh, the Brahmanas, they don't know what to say. Then Lord Chaitanya said, second question, why Lakshmi was refused admission? Because this is very easy if you understand who is Krishna and who is Narayan. Prabhupada explained a very simple example. It's like high court judge. High court judge, when he's in the courtroom, everyone says, my Lord, your honor. When he walks in, they stand up. It's very formal. Even the person can talk to the judge, only through the lawyers, very strict rules and regulations are there. But when the judge is back at his house, his wife may be giving him some biscuits and child will go and sit on his lap, they'll be intimately relating. So Prabhupada explained that when the Supreme Lord is in his informal position, that's Krishna. There he's with the cowherd boy, Nanda Yasoda. He's playing very freely, intimately with everyone. No one thinks that he's the Supreme Lord. They just love him as he is, without any formality at all. And when he was presenting himself, the Supreme Lord of everything, that's his official form as Narayan. Then nobody can come up and, like Krishna, they're hugging, they're taking Krishna on the shoulders, or Krishna is taking his bhakta on his shoulders when they're playing as cowherd boys and they're running. Nobody can go on the shoulder of Narayan. Huh? 
is very official. So because that official side also has to be there. So death for the devotees, just like when the gopis, they were looking for Krishna. And they saw Krishna was there in the distance. So they said, there's Krishna. And they all came running and Krishna nowhere to hide. So he took his Chaturbhu's roop and he took the four-handed form. And the gopis came and said, oh... It's not Krishna, it's Narayan. They bow down to Narayan. Om Namo Narayanaya. Tell us, where is Krishna? The Narayan. Actually it's Krishna, but he took Narayan for say pointing this way. So all the gopis going and offering namaskar and looking for Krishna running off in the woods. But Radharani came, she has so much bhakti. That Krishna couldn't keep the four arms, kept coming back to two arms. Because Radha was looking so much tears in her eyes, so much bhakti for Krishna, that Krishna couldn't keep himself as Narayan in front of her. Kept coming two hands. And this way he was exposed. And the gopis found, this is Krishna. So even the devotees, they are not satisfied with Narayan, they want Krishna. Krishna bhaktas won't settle for less than Krishna because Krishna is a special, very intimate, very loving form. In a Narayana form, there's only devotion in awe and reverence and in servitude. But in Krishna, you have friendship, parental and conjugal love. There's five rasas. So therefore, the great sages understood that Krishna is a more complete, is a very confidential form. So before this was not uh, revealed because Krishna was coming in the planet. After Krishna left, then they revealed all the nature about Krishna. Krishna was just here 5,000 years ago. Just that there be Dwarpa Yuga before Kali Yuga. So it's not that it's been a, it's only a recent history according to the Vedic uh, chronologies. So before Krishna came, these things were kept a little bit hidden. Now that He has come, everything is revealed. But if somebody accepts Krishna's form of Narayana, that's alright. You know it's the same person. If you accept a high court judge in the court, you don't want to accept him in the house. At least you accept him in the court, alright. This is a detail for us. But of course it's an important detail. But we are more concerned with people who don't accept God. If they already accept either Narayan or Krishna, then we can work it out from there. But most people, they don't accept at all, you see. That's a bigger problem. So we'll just conclude with a short kirtan. And then any other questions you can come and ask. And I think you've hijacked me to stay one more day. <laughs>